As the Maui wildfire devastates a region, Joe Biden and other Democrats have completely checked out. The economy continues to struggle under Bidenomics, plus GOP presidential hopefuls prepare for next week's debate. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. And God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. I hope you had a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with the Hawaii fires that not only show the incompetence of left-wing government on multiple levels, but the fires also show the left will never miss an opportunity to blame any kind of event on climate change. You could be walking out of a store and trip on a curb. Climate change. A person could rob you in broad daylight. Climate change. Homelessness and drugs on the streets of Democrat-run cities? That's climate change, too. According to the left, adverse events are either caused by racism or climate change. What a mess. In Hawaii, on the island of Maui, residents have been devastated by fires, and the response has been tone-deaf, incompetent, and driven by political ideology. And recall, while people are dying and homes are being wiped out, Joe Biden said this while off on another vacation. Mr. President, are you going to take questions on Maui? Can you come talk about Maui? Can you come talk about Maui, Mr. President? When reporters did pin him down for a comment when he wasn't biking on the beach, Biden said this. Will you come talk about the Hawaii response, Mr. President? Biden is not the only one who's out to lunch on this disaster. First, let's look at the cause of this fire. It wasn't climate change. It was caused by power lines coming down and igniting the areas around them. Hawaii Electric, the company in charge of maintaining the power lines, knew that their lines posed a risk. And back in 2019, the company issued a press release promising to address wildfire risk. Instead, the company focused its resources on developing renewable energy. You know, energy sources that come from child slave labor or countries such as China. According to the Post-Millennial, an audit of the company performed in 2020 found that the company's risk analysis focused mainly on financial risk and not actual operational risks. The company knew the wildfire risks from its power lines and did nothing to fix the problem. Then, after the fire started, we learned so much more. We've learned that Maui's emergency operations chief, Herman Andania, has, quote, no conventional background in disaster response. According to the post-millennial, Andaya's department was responsible for sounding the warning sirens, but these crucial alarms remained silent during the firestorm. During a press conference, Andaya was asked about his lack of emergency management experience, considering he holds the title of a manage emergency management administrator. So the news story talks about how I didn't have experience before taking on a job, and that's not true. Um, before taking on a job, I was a member of the cabinet. Uh, I was deputy director of the Department of Housing and Human Concerns, as well as the mayor's chief of staff for 11 years. Deputy director for housing and urban development and the mayor's chief of staff. What can you even say? And then there's Kaleo Manuel, the Hawaii water official, who, according to Charlie Kirk, refused to release water resources and let land to let landowners fight the fire. And why? Because he's another leftist who'd rather let people lose homes, other property, and possibly even their lives rather than using the water. We've become used to looking at water as like something which we use. 
and not necessarily something w that we revere as that thing that gives us life, right? I mean, to me, it's a shift in value set. Um, and, you know, if we can start to really look at how we as humans in an island um, can reconnect to that traditional value set. So really my motto is always like, let water connect us and not divide us. Like we, we can share it, but it requires true conversations about equity. There is so much wrong with everything going on in Hawaii. And most of it is being driven by these Democrats who are guided by ideology instead of actual public service. As far as getting relief to victims, locals have stepped up in the absence of government officials and are getting the job done. Here's pro surfer Kai Lenny on some of the relief efforts. For some of us, we were kind of sitting back waiting for help to arrive and then nothing was sort of happening. We were just in shock. But what was that tipping point for you when you realized government is not gonna be able to respond the way locals can? So when I started getting texts and messages from friends on the other side saying, hey, no one is here. Do you know anyone you can call? Can you help us? And it started off with really being boots on the ground. Okay, let's get the jet skis, let's get the boats. Let's call friends who fly commercial aircraft and see if we can charter a plane. That's just great. People coming together to help others. But then the CBS host mentioned that the federal government says that it is helping and that assistance is being offered. Here's a response. You could go to any one of those hubs on the west side of the island and you can ask everyone there. And they'll be like, oh, we haven't seen anyone. No one came to talk to us. No one's come to assist. I wonder if the state, county, they believe we're doing such a good job, they don't need to step in. But a lot of these volunteers have been going all day, all night for five, six days now yeah. and are exhausted and are waiting for a handoff or at least a break. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to say no comment and Hawaii becomes the latest example of left-wing incompetence and willful negligence. All right, next let's look at the Biden economy. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search out my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next let's talk economics, and in particular, Bidenomics, because the Democrats must feel that if they put some kind of branding on their version of economic policy, that it will somehow not be as bad as the complete disaster that it really is. Let's just call it Bidenomics and people will start to like it. It's arrogant and ridiculous, but Biden has been pushing this out there, his economic plans, and trying to sell them to the American people as a success. Here's how it's going for back to school items. Families with kids in elementary school through high school can expect to spend an average of $890 this year on back-to-school items. Jackie, that's a new record from the National Retail Federation. It's $25 higher than it was last year. All in, Americans expected to spend an unprecedented $41.5 billion this year. A new record in back-to-school items, all due to Biden's policies that have resulted in crippling inflation. Now... The Biden tagline seems to be, oh, things are much better this year than before. Here's Democrat Brendan Boyle with that talking point. What I would say, though, is that for all the uh, naysayers uh, and doomsday types, this has been a pretty bad year for them. At every turn, this economy has been getting better and better, and the overall economic picture has been getting better. Apparently, the Biden economic plan is to make things so bad that when things come up from rock bottom, 
you can claim that your policies are improving America. Meanwhile, how are those interest rates doing? So a big hurdle for anyone trying to get into the housing market. Mortgage rates are now at their highest level in 21 years, with the 30-year fixed rate averaging more than 7%. Medium home prices, medium home prices, around $410,000 in America. And monthly mortgage payments on a home at that price could cost you more than $800 than they $800 more, excuse me, than they did two years ago when rates were near their record lows. Despite the rhetoric coming from Biden and his administration, the American people are hurting. Goods and services cost more. Real wages are down and gas prices are spiking. Americans just don't seem to be buying Bidenomics. I want to show you the latest polling numbers specifically about the economy. They found that more than half of registered voters believe President Biden has made the economy worse. Only about a quarter of voters say they believe he's made it better. And look at this breakdown item by item in our Fox News polling. 54% of voters say food prices are a major concern. 42% say utilities are. Just about half say gas prices are a major concern. Of course, you've probably noticed at the pump, gas prices up pretty dramatically, about 31 cents in the past month. So that's Bidenomics. It's a whole lot of nothing that the Democrats are hoping you think is wonderful. Next, the GOP presidential contenders will be taking the debate stage next week. And the big question has been whether former President Trump will participate. First, here's an update on how Trump is faring in relation to Biden and his GOP base. So there's a new poll today from Marist in the 2024 hypothetical general election, and it is a virtual tie. Yes, look at these numbers. According to the survey, 47% support Biden, 46% back Trump in this general election hypothetical contest between the two. Now, when it comes to Trump's GOP support, according to a new Rasmussen poll, former President Donald Trump has 60% of Republican primary voters' support. Trump is clearly the frontrunner, and his polling lead both nationally and in early primary and caucus states is considerable. According to the Real Clear Politics average of polls, Trump leads his GOP rivals with 54.7% support, followed by Ron DeSantis at 14.8% and Vivek Ramaswamy at 6.9%. In Iowa, Trump has 43.5% support to second place DeSantis with 16. Senator Tim Scott is third with 10.5%. With this kind of standing, Trump is currently planning to not participate in Wednesday's GOP presidential debate. Instead, Trump will sit down for a one-on-one -on -one interview with Tucker Carlson. Currently, including Trump, there are eight GOP candidates who have met the polling and donor requirements for participation in the first debate. Along with Trump, we have DeSantis, Ramaswamy, Scott, Doug Burgum, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, and Chris Christie. Candidates have until Monday night to meet the eligibility requirements. So that means maybe there is hope for Perry Johnson and Asa Hutchison, Francis Suarez, or Will Hurd. Jeez. But I wouldn't put money on it. In addition, the RNC is requiring a party loyalty pledge, and so far only five candidates have signed it. DeSantis, Ramaswamy, Haley, Scott, and Burgum. So who do you think will win the debate, and will it have any impact on the primary process? Let me know in the comments. Okay, so we've had Democrat failures regarding the wildfire, Bidenomics falling flat, and all of this while Joe Biden goes on yet another vacation. We need to ask them, do you have a relaxed brain? 
I got what you call like, I don't know, a relaxed brain. First on Relaxed Brain Friday, we have the story of a trans woman in Michigan, meaning a man who thinks he's a woman, and the lawsuit he has with his former boyfriend. Turns out that this man, who goes by Brianna Kingsley, had his testicles removed, and he saved them, as you can see in the picture. It turns out that the items are sitting in his ex-boyfriend's refrigerator, and the guy won't return them. Apparently, the boyfriend is more attached to them than Brianna is, or was. Or still is. I have no idea, but the whole story is nuts. And then we have an actual medical school professor who says that trans kids who identify as minotaurs, you know, creatures that have a human body and the head of a bull, are part of the gender revolution. Again, this is a hospital executive in California and a medical school professor. Whether it's gender ideology or white privilege or climate activism, it seems like more and more medical schools and healthcare providers or adopting Marxist talking points rather than simply practicing medicine. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, today's show's one sheet is available to Patreon supporters using the link in the description. The one sheet gives you the links to all the videos and stories used on today's show so you can dive even deeper into each issue. And with that, our next show will be Monday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.